Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's episode 200 of the Audible Farm podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Couchtown Coffee. Couchtown Coffee is roasted right here in Iowa. It's my favorite coffee. I literally, I very seriously drink it every morning. I made another order before I ran out, so I got some fresh coffee in. If you guys want some fresh coffee, just go to CouchtownCoffee.com. Find a coffee you like, make an order, and when you do, they'll give you 20% off. Why? Because Couchtown Coffee is that awesome. I know some of my friends have been buying Couchtown Coffee for a while. I know a couple of them just recently tried it for the first time. And they actually bought some. So I appreciate it. Thank you guys very much. I know Couchtown loves it. Uh, like I said, some of the best coffee I've ever had, ever. And it's shipped directly to my house. All I got to do is grind it up and drink it. Thanks, Couchtown. As I said earlier, today is episode 200. I had a fun plan laid out for this. But uh, my execution of the plan was poor. So I had invited a, a few people to sit down and talk with me. And uh, what I ended up with was the Betty Boys, which actually is kind of a blessing. Um, I, I wanted to do something kind of big. I wanted to sit down with some people from different music scenes in Iowa and talk to them about some things that were going on. I just did not have the time to execute it properly. There's a few people that have been on the podcast recently and uh, a few of my friends that are probably going to listen to this that understand that I, uh, I didn't give a lot of people enough time to sit down and, and make a plan for this. So maybe I'll do something for episode 250 maybe i'll do something for episode whatever i don't know i i do have a a plan for some future fun in the podcast though i just uh have to execute better on my plans so having said that it's a blessing to have the betty guys around um this podcast wouldn't exist without them i definitely wouldn't be playing music anywhere publicly if it wasn't for them and i know having you know just saying that there's probably a lot of people out there that are like, oh, you would have done something. You would have went somewhere and played somewhere. But uh, let's let's be honest. I, I I started playing guitar in my teens. I, I kind of quit in my very, very late teens, early 20s. I just didn't have anywhere to play or anyone to play with. or I uh, didn't really know what to do with the instrument. Didn't know how to teach myself things. And uh, in my late 20s, uh, Clint, the drummer for Three Finger Betty, uh, kind of put a bug in my ear. I had, I had bought a new amp and I was kind of playing a little bit more and I was kind of figuring out what I needed to do to get, you know, to progress a little bit as a musician and get better at the guitar. And he said, Hey, you should try out for this band I'm in. And lo and behold, I, I gave it a whirl and it worked out really well. I've been with three finger Betty for almost six years now. Is it six? Is it seven? Six. I think it's six years, but yeah, I've been with three finger Betty for about six years now playing guitar. Um, in some capacity, I've also played the bass with them. And, you know, from there has kind of brought me to other opportunities. I found musicians in my area with the podcast that uh, allowed me to kind of not travel as far to play music and kind of join up with some people at jam nights and things like that. Some some of which have, have disappeared over the years, but new jam nights have popped up over the years too. So there's always jam nights and there's always things to go to to kind of interact with your other musicians. But like I said, without without the Betty crew being around, I don't know if I would be where I'm at. I The podcast definitely would not exist. When I started playing guitar with Three Finger Betty, for those of you that, that aren't as aware of what goes on at 
uh, what I would call like local rock shows or or you know these shows with bands that write all their own music and and we're not playing covers and we're not we're not doing three hour shows. What happens is they'll stack multiple bands on a show. And every now and then I'd run into a band where I said, holy cow, these guys are good. And I wanted to sit down and talk with a few of them. I've been watching music in Des Moines for 10 plus years, um, you know, probably closer to 15 now. And it's one of those things where there are people that I'd seen in the music scene 10, 15 years ago that are still in it. And those people deserve some recognition. So I started talking to some of them. And the podcast kind of just evolved over over time. Uh, I talked to musicians, I talked to comedians, I talked to artists, professional wrestlers. I talked to people who are just starting out playing guitar. I've talked to people who are are very well tenured, and it's it's been a fun trip so far, hitting 200. And I just wanted to uh, before I get into this episode, which is coming up quick, um, I just wanted to say thank you to the Three Finger Betty guys for for helping me on my journey. Uh, like I said, I wouldn't be here without him. And, uh, that goes for Clint and John, uh, Jeff Furch, Geoff. Um, I, I mean, all of the, all the people that I've played with in three finger Betty in some capacity, I really appreciate it. I want to say thanks to the, I, I didn't really sit down and do the math, but I do also want to say thanks to the, I'm guessing 180 people I've talked to on this podcast since I started. I've done some duplicate episodes and some replays, but, it's got to be somewhere around 175, 180. There's a lot of people that I've sat down and talked to with this podcast. And I also want to say thanks to everyone that's listened for the you know first 200 episodes. If you really want to get technical, I did an episode zero. So last episode was technically the 200th episode. So Patrick, you got, you got the technical 200th episode. But this is actually the one that's titled episode 200. And I'm sitting down with the Three Finger Betty Boys. We talk about all things music in this one. We talk about some upcoming shows, and we talk about things that we just see in the music scene and, and what we think about it. And And it was just kind of a sit-down conversation type thing. I had a huge list of questions I wanted to ask, but by the time I got to them, we were pretty much done with the podcast already. So uh, I saved those list of questions. I I kind of have some things I want to do with a giant list of questions, and uh, maybe I'll talk more about that in the outro. But this is episode 200 with John Waugh and Clint Wheelman of Three Finger Betty, I also being a member of Three Finger Betty. And uh, this, this is going to be a great one. I I love sitting down talking with these guys. I spend a lot of time with them. Um, I've traveled a lot to be in this band. So it's it's something that's near and dear to me. I've, I've referred to it as a passion project of mine. This is something I've always wanted to do when I was growing up, and I finally was able to attain the skills to be able to to be able to justify going on stage and playing in front of people. So uh, thank you, Clinton, John, and uh, Jeff and Geoff, the two bassists I've played with, for uh, you know boosting my confidence level and allowing me to um, just just be there with you. It's uh, such a fun, fun experience. So thank you guys very much. That's enough sentimental stuff. Let's get into the episode. It's episode 200 with Three Finger Betty. It's the Audible Farm Podcast, with your host, Peter Stockdale. So today, I'm sitting down with John Waugh, I'm sitting down with Clint Wheelman, 
and it's episode 200 of the podcast, and it's uh, an all-betty podcast, I guess. <laughs> Another one. Yes. Yeah, it's turned into one. Yes. Uh, originally, we tried to do something a little differently, and this is just kind of what happened, based on my poor planning and short notice on trying to plan this event. But yeah, we got the idea just a couple of days yeah. ago. We were yeah. talking about this Friday night, and yeah. it's Sunday. Yeah, exactly. So, this is the, the best time it could work out, and... But we do have a good idea for something later to do, to try. So, uh, I, so I feel like that would be a fun concept to pull off. So we'll give it a whirl another time. But sitting down with the Betty guys, a lot of stuff has happened kind of in the Betty camp. I, I talk about it on the podcast here and there. I kind of just fold it in when I can. And But uh, there was been an occasion where our bassist has left. So uh, he is going to play a few more shows here or there or maybe one more. Or At something. least one. He'll right. be playing... Uh... With us at Lefty's Live Music, August 16th, which is a Tuesday night, uh, with good friends, Gravis Somnia and uh, Error to Sorrow. Okay, all right. Uh, nice. Also supporting the Convalescence touring. Oh, cool. That'd be a good show. Yeah. So, yeah, gonna be a good one. Yeah, so... Uh... If anybody has <clears throat> tickets, I think it's Gravis Somnia. I'm not 100%. Yeah, there's tickets available. There's a Facebook event on our Facebook page for that, too. So yep. you can check that out there. But, yeah, we've had like a, a couple occasions where I've actually got to play bass with Three Finger Betty, which I've, I've kind of mentioned a little bit on the podcast. But, yeah, basically, like, when needed, I'll play the bass, you know. And mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of how you started the band anyways. You were a two-piece at the very yeah. start, and then you were a three-piece for a long time. True. And then you came, yep. and... Uh, yeah, so I don't know. I guess if anybody, any willing bassists out there want to audition, yeah. maybe. But at the same time, the first time, the first night you did play the bass with us, it that was pretty badass. Went over pretty damn well. Yeah, it, it was pretty it, tight. It did. <laughs> yeah. What what show was the first one? Cancer Slug. That was the very first one. I believe so. Oh, Dang. nice. Cause have I played a couple shows on bass, or just one? I can't remember. I want to say two, but I can't think of what the other one is. I can't yeah. either. There's been enough. I could pull it up actually. Oh, uh, was phone. Goat Whore? Was that a bass show? Was it? It could have been. I can't remember. And, and uh, Geoff is not here. Yeah. So, he <laughs> so would, you had to confirm one way or the other. To say whether or not he was there. But yeah, there's pictures from the Cancer Slug show, though, right? Those, that's those there should pictures. be, yeah. We never posted those pictures online. We should post those just for fun. I don't know who took them. Uh, it's uh, it's posted on there. I think it's a uh, and, and the it? cat gets in there. Is it Thrash Panda? That sounds. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, Thrash yeah. Panda's great. Yeah, I think that's who took them. And they sent them to us, so I'm sure we could just tag them in it. And they'd be okay with it. But yeah, there's a handful of shots. I I have a couple of pictures saved of me playing the bass, and there's some killer pictures of you playing the drums, which mm-hmm. is always like, why does it always seem like the drummer gets left out of everything? Well, a lot of venues, uh, just where the stage is, is kind of the drummer's buried no matter what. Mm-hmm. But Lefties has that thing going for it, kind of like the Muse did, where you got to get to the bathrooms by walking past the side of the stage. So it leaves it uh, available for photography opportunities. Yeah, works really well for it. Yeah, especially at Lefties, they got that little. There's like a tiny stairway up to the mm-hmm. stage. You could actually like sneak up there and snap. A exactly. Couple yeah, I, I watch people do it all the time, and it gets really fucking great shots. Yeah, and it it doesn't distract from the show at all. You know. As long as you're not like walking up yeah. there, like with your flash on, freaking out the drummer or something. Exactly. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, being a you know a drummer, I kind of, it's not something you get every show, so it's really nice to have. 
Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. Well, even uh, aside from just the photographers, just uh, having a row of people along that wall on the side of the stage is really nice to have. Yeah. And really nice to be in as well, watching shows. Like you never get to see that perspective a lot of the time. Being and there's able a lot to of see the drummer can be a treat, dude. But it is, it is. Yeah, because you're right. A lot of stages, yeah, you see the drummer, but if you can stand side stage, you can actually see what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, you you can hear their stage sound, and you instead of like because you can barely hear it's coming through the PA. So it's really good to hear what their actual instruments sound like without mics on them. Yeah, definitely, because you have to kind of process it before it can come out the the PA in a good fashion, you know, with a lot of the drum sets and stuff. So that was an argument, uh, actually, on the last podcast. Somebody said, like, the more doodads and stuff you add to your guitar tone to make it sound a certain way, like, some of that gets washed out by the time it goes through a PA, so... But, yeah, I mean, it's really cool to have, you know, a couple of venues where you can sneak up there and, and snap some picks and kind of stand next to the drummer or near them and kind of watch what they're doing and things like that. I do know that when I started doing Audible Farm, like, one of the things I was doing was, like, taking videos of, like, all the different bands that we'd, like, play with. It was, some of it was to, like, videotape our sets to see what it looks like, what we could do differently and things like that. But I, uh, after a while... I started like trying to get a little bit more creative with it. I ended up doing a video that was a camera on you, mm-hmm. and it, I just pumped the audio that we had recorded like into it. So uh, you get to hear all of us, but you get to like watch Clint play the drums. To, like, yeah, was the that songs. the rock shop? Yeah, that was at the rock. Oh yeah, that was great. <laughs> Clint Cam. Yeah, the Clint Cam footage. So that's uh, on the Audible Farm channel, I believe. I believe it's on that channel. But otherwise, um, yeah. So. The other fun thing about that event was the jam from that was where the intro song for Audible Farm came from. I'm like 99% sure they're the same show, so it's kind of fun, uh, yeah. which gives us a time frame for like exactly when the podcast that was started. a while ago. Yeah, which is, that's kind of weird, though. It doesn't really seem like it's been that long ago. But yeah, it's it's, it's been a while since the old rock shop moved to the I mall mean, covid that was like four years ago at mm-hmm. least covid that was two years COVID. ago <laughs> i mean with COVID, that, i i feel like that show was like around four years ago it probably was mm-hmm. yeah Sounds yeah well it's almost you know 200 episodes yeah. four years you know yeah episode a week so it's, we're close we're mm-hmm. real close it is also kind of weird though like i can't remember who i was talking to i might have been talking to you guys but it was just like you know i've been in the band for like six years and it's just like wait yeah, I've been in the band for like six years. Like, I don't know. I'd have to like look back exactly. Like maybe 2016. So yeah. So we're getting on seven years here coming up. So it's kind of crazy to think like that's how long I've been in the band. Cause it doesn't really seem like it's been that long. Yeah, not really. Uh, is this Halloween is either the ninth? I think it's nine. And then so 23 will be the 10th. I believe so, yes. Yep. And that's another one you can look up is uh, the very first Three Finger Betty show, if people don't know, is actually on YouTube somewhere. Yes. Uh, if you look at, I mean, if you search YouTube, Three Finger Betty and Fester Rage, you will find it. I also believe that there's a playlist I created on the Three Finger Betty YouTube for it. So, like, you can just go there and the playlist just has all of his videos in a row. So that's another thing that's fun about YouTube is I feel like if you can get a decent enough video and just slam it on there and be like, hey, here's a, you know, some nostalgia for somebody to like relive if they want to. And even in that sense, like 
I've videotaped bands and put them on there with their permission, of course. I was, you know, that was one thing I was like, got to get their permission to put this stuff up there, you know. But I've had bands, like, listen to it and then, like, practice to it. I've had other bands, like, rewatch it because it's just, they'll put something up there and then maybe the band doesn't play that song anymore. They don't exist anymore or something. Mm -hmm. And people just be like, oh, it was super fun to have this be a thing or whatever. Yeah. You know. um, The, The historical documentation of that shouldn't be lost. Yeah, uh, I uh, not. I don't bring this up to name drop. I happened to read a, a article from City View that uh, Christian Day wrote, and I don't know if he uncovered it, but somehow he found an old. I'm assuming Des Moines Register article about the uh, first ever Des Moines punk band. Oh wow! Like, like I don't remember. It might have been still late seventies. I'd have to reread the article and just about the people talked about the people in the band. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's pretty cool. That's wild. And, and now, I mean, nowadays with YouTube and et cetera, blah, 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 you have footage period. Yeah. Um, yeah. We've played with plenty of bands that don't exist anymore. Yeah. That's very true. Uh, I mean, like bands on our level and above us, you know, yes. which is also weird to think that, there's a couple bands I miss that I really liked that don't play anymore. It is weird to, like, it doesn't seem like it's that big of a deal. Like, you go back in the day and it's like, well, this band doesn't exist anymore, and that band doesn't exist. And it's not because somebody died, they just don't exist because they broke up or whatever. But, like, now we're getting to be the age where, like, we've played with bands that don't exist anymore that, uh, yeah, like, you know. Open up my computer for the first time in forever and going through just all of the audio I've captured from all the house shows and. Just taking them into Muse and Hole and various places. And just capturing all types of bands playing there That's something over I, the years. Dude, what are you going to do with all that audio? Okay, for those that don't know, like <clears throat> Clint will like go in and just audio record like a, a live, raw audio. Because pretty places. much any time Dark Mirror would play a show, I'd just record everyone on the show. Yeah. So I eventually you know, amassed good four years or so worth of shows i'd say so i think it was around 2012 where both marco and garen got the same little tascam recorders from from their parents on the same oh yeah <laughs> and both of them were just like i don't know what to do with this here take this i don't remember nice. where it is he had a recording uh before he was ever in the band of uh one of of the first three finger betty show with jeff Furch. Oh, wow. Which was the first uh, Two Broke for the Art Fest. I didn't know that was his first show. Dang. Um, It was his first show in public. That's wild. And uh, it was on, but he he just recorded everything because I remember checking it out on a Dark Mirror site. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was the other thing is uh, every time I'd record a house show, well, the house shows would be like oftentimes up to 10 bands. So, yeah, I'd record the whole night, and I'd put it all on Bandcamp. Oh, nice. So, for a, for a while there, you could uh, hear all the in-our-house shows. That's what we called the series. Uh, yeah, you could listen to all the freaking bands, mostly <laughs> mostly the Minnesota bands. That, that was the one constant, I think. On most of the house shows, we had either Plagued Insanity or Goro or... Someone, anyone from up there, and it was always a fun time. Yeah, I can't recall if I was at that Too Broke for the Arts Festival. It was the first one. I th- I think I might have been at that one. Yeah. I'm not 100% sure, but I think I was. I mean, I'd have to listen to it again. I feel like at the time, we were not a metal band, 
and uh, the flyer's behind me, I think. Yep, it's up there. Uh, yeah, because Dark Mirror, Lochnar, and King Goro, speaking of Minnesota, <laughs> and then me, my piddly ass, nervous as hell, playing first. Yep. yep. And, yeah, uh, and Furch just being like, what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Geoff was still the drummer, mm-hmm. and that was... That was interesting. I remember when I did listen back to it, uh, the last song, which is often drunk in church, I did my uh, thing at the solo part, and I actually did get applause for that. That was the only time I didn't hear uh, crickets. Oh, well, yeah. (laughs) I'm like, I got them at the end. Yes. So that's a tough thing, like uh, going to shows and playing and just hearing crickets. It's like... Nobody had ever heard of us. First time, basic, almost. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's it's weird sometimes because it's like, sometimes it's not your fault. Sometimes other things are going on. Sometimes the place is empty. Sometimes it's not empty and there's still crickets. It's It gets a little weird sometimes when you play like original shows at like club venues. Plus, like, you guys were playing first at Two Broke for the Arts Festival, so there was artists in there that were probably just cleaning up their stuff, so it was kind of a weird exchange time. And um, That was my, for personally, that was the first time I'd ever played at the Vaudeville Muse, and after being at who knows how many shows there, that probably had made me nervous, too. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I'm actually playing yeah, on this stage. A lot of factors Holy are crap. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty wild. That's true, though. Like... I do have a little bit of that, that, like, I, you know, I feel nervous sometimes playing at places, because like you said, I've been to a lot of shows there. I can't remember if I was nervous the first time I played at Muse, but there's been a few times I've played there where, like, it's been, like, a bigger show, quote-unquote, where it's like, oh, there's going to be a decent amount of people here. I, mm-hmm. I better, you know, step my game up or whatever. You get a little bit nervous or whatever, but... Yeah, the heat turns up a bit when you, there's a drum set. You got to set all of your stuff up in front of, so you have, like nowhere to even move on the stage that's true yeah um i mean that is a little rough i've you know i've done those shows it's too. fun it's a high pressure situation but it's fun <laughs> yeah it's, it's pretty nice i uh somebody asked me recently like do you get nervous at shows so let me uh and it was a really good question because it opened sparked a good conversation which is like kind of something i i wanted to do a lot of for this episode anyways but like do you get nervous for shows john Right before it, yeah. Like, I have to pee, like, four times, and it's all nerves. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and, 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 like, within 30 seconds of starting playing, it's gone. Okay. Uh, it, yeah. it, that, that's what happens to me. <laughs> yeah, like, what? why do you think that is? Like, why do you think, like, you, just, you, I'm sure you, like you said, you go to the Vaudeville Muse, you play before those shows, you get kind of nervous or whatever, but, like. But, I mean, not that it's, it, it, it's not that it has become routine, but, you know, you're used to it. I don't know, it's just. It, there's still always the oh don't fuck up hmm. don't fuck up yeah i guess you do have like a little bit more responsibility like you know you sing and play the leads so like you do have a little bit more resting on your shoulders i'd yeah. say than i do like yeah. going into shows so yeah. you might have to think about it a little bit I, more. I don't even know if it's that it's just a it's just like don't give them reason to hate you hmm that's that's uh, crazy what, what do you got clint like um I'm generally able to put any of the pressure out of my mind, I guess. I guess um, you can kind of tell it's going to be a good show when, like, earlier in the day, you kind of feel, like, the adrenaline, like, you get this tinge going in your stomach a little bit. Yep. Mm-hmm. I agree. And, like, oh, that's how you know the juices are flowing, and, yeah, you're going to have... The adrenaline is already starting to hit you, so you're already anticipating it, like, hours before it happens, so you're pretty much... 
you gotta like surrender to that and you kind of just like jump into the river and you're along for the ride at that point but um it's just a matter of making sure you're properly hydrated and properly stretched and making sure you know yeah you're fully totally prepared and like just putting all of that out of your mind and at the same time if there's a good crowd like that takes a lot of the pressure off like really does. a lot of the times yeah, yeah. that i've struggled on stage have been like to nobody because you have to like pull the performance out of yourself but like when you have that you know adrenaline from hours before already flowing through you and you there's a crowd there whether they're into what you're doing or even know who you are or not like you can kind of like the the crowd kind of directs how the performance goes okay and a lot of the time you kind of just have to go with that flow because if you if you're trying if you're trying to play things exactly how you planned it a lot of the times the crowd isn't going to let you do that if if that makes any sense yeah i mean it's it's tough to act like you're at an arena show when nobody in the crowd cares even if there's like a bunch of people there you know so you really got to just put everything out of your mind completely and like literally just go with the freaking flow yeah and the the music will play the band at that point yeah, it is kind of weird though. Like I've I've played enough shows that you know that I've I kind of like I get the concept. I've played to a lot of people that were not responsive because there's other stuff going on. Like oh yeah, you know, I've been in like those situations yes. too. Like like Ragbri, you're on a side stage while there's like 400 vendors around, and mm-hmm. like you're not the main attraction. You yeah. know, like you might you're kind of are, but you're there. You're there. You're just amongst a bunch of vendors and food trucks. Yeah. And so there's people there, but like they're also doing a bunch of other stuff, like eating food and like doing stuff, you know. So there's there's times where it's like not everyone's like reacting to this, but there's a few people that are reacting really well to that, you know, and it's weird cuz I was it's just like I'm going to cater to that person, you exactly. know. Exactly. Yeah. Um I can't remember played played some song at a show once and some guy was just and like over in the side was just like yeah and i was just you know like he was the one guy that reacted like a lot more than everyone else and i was just like this guy knows what i'm talking about and you know you point him out and you're like yeah there you go but you take a break and you when you take a break you just fucking you know i'm oh, sorry there's a profanity for me for the day you fist bump the guy and you're like that's what i'm talking about you know and he you know you got a little in to talk to somebody you know in intermission you know and you kind of like it's almost like being a comedian like you're almost uh heckling the crowd or like reverse heckling you know you're not like you guys suck or whatever you know you're kind of like pumping them up like that's another reason why it's good being in a place like muse or lefties and having the people along the side because uh being behind the drum kit like i can't even see the first row of people because the lights are in my face and just everything is black so it's hard to tell if there's even a crowd or not and you can a lot of the time it's hearing them. <laughs> it's like oh, okay, there's people here. That's pretty cool. Like you were talking like catering to the guy, the one guy who's into it. Uh, where the sleepover played last uh, week, and you know it was a great show, but there wasn't a lot of people there, and no, no worries that. But there was this kid. It was all ages. And all I can say is he had an eye patch and was wearing a dress. So hopefully I got the pronoun right. Uh, but dancing just all into it and i'm like this is great i'm just gonna watch this guy all night yeah 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 i mean 
I, that's another thing like I play in a cover band and like catering to the dancers is always like such a fun thing because it's just like if there's people up there moving around and your music's making people move around and dance and stuff it's like that's I'll take that all day long you know like uh, that's that's pretty much them just cheering the whole song you know mm-hmm. they're dancing you know and I'll take that from from anybody at any show it doesn't matter whether or not like we're playing punk music and they're you know moshing around or skanking or whatever you know the punk dances are I don't yeah. know what they all are but um yeah, it's it's pretty fun though to think like you were talking. We were talking about getting nervous before shows, and, and like my response was something to the effect of like I remember, like, I, I never really got like super super nervous. I think some of the first times I got really nervous for a show was definitely when I played like uh, bigger venues. Like when we played like Muse for the first time, I was probably just like, ooh, like this is crazy. It's gonna be nuts mm. or whatever. Like. I can't remember what one of the first bigger bands we opened up for. It might have been Night Demon, you know, might have been one of the first bigger bands that like I opened up for with Three Finger Betty, and I was just like, ooh, like what's this gonna be like? Are these guys really cool or something? Or like, you know, and then you start to find out just like everyone's human beings, like yeah. everyone just shows up in a van and plays music like everyone else, you know. So yeah. I started getting less and less nervous about it when you start to talk to these people and realize they're just like, oh, like. You know, you're just like, what are you guys doing after this? And they're just like, we're going to grab a bite to eat. And then just, you know, whatever. It's like, you know, or do you want to play some video games? It's like, yeah, yeah. sure. You know, like you grab There's a bite people. to eat, grab a drink or something. It's just something simple. And they'll like go do that real quick with you and then scoot down the road, you know. So there's been a lot of people I've had, you know, afforded the opportunity with to at least just like sit down with for a second yeah. and talk to. Like, it's fun. Just from playing you, shows. Yeah. You do the tour. You meet a lot of touring bands. You meet them and they're just like the goat whore guys were just. I when we walked in there were just some guys hanging around the merch table talking I'm like is this the band or is this the crew and then it like it was the band yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and they were just yeah. dudes mm-hmm. talking having a good time yeah uh, real friendly Night Demons like that totally yeah oh yeah Night Demon was really cool they just hung out and play, literally played video yeah, games they, and watched pro exactly, wrestling exactly yeah I'm pretty sure that was after the two broke they were on uh, yeah I think uh, Jarvis and I were the last ones up and I, it must have been right after that tiny little NES Mini came out. So I busted that out, and he was playing Castlevania 2 at like 6 in the morning. <laughs> oh, nice. That's awesome. So yeah, so yeah, it's just fun. They're just like regular people. And I think some of that like got me less nervous when playing around like bigger bands and things. And there haven't been too many venues I've been like nervous to go play in. Uh, like I think bigger venues usually make me a little bit more nervous, but I haven't played in too many, so I'm not usually like, you know, because you just think bigger venue, bigger sound system, uh, the mistake will sound bigger if you make one or like whatever. I don't yeah. know if that's what the nerve is or something, but I don't usually get super super nervous. But I am kind of like you, John, where like before a show, I'm talking like a half an hour before you're supposed yeah, to start playing. Exactly. Like, or if like you're the third band and the second band just started, you know, it's like, well, it's go time pretty much, you know, you got to get ready. Like, cause you got to change your stuff up there and get ready to play or whatever. Like it's the hurry up and wait. That's like what I've dubbed it. Like, you're just yeah. like, oh, I just, I just oh, want to yeah. get up there and play now. That final 30 minutes. Yeah. yeah. That's when I start the, the whole stretching routine. Cause that takes about 20 to 25. And I think that's a pretty good, pretty good way to to just put everything out of the mind and also relax at the same time. And yeah, just get yourself in the right right mindset and right physical shape to to 
flail around yeah. like a madman. One thing that'll happen to me if we play after a band that was like directly after, and I'm just like, oh, they were really good. Okay. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> yes. I love you gotta that. You got to Hulk up. <laughs> I love that. I love uh, going after a band that's really good. Just like, all right, that's the bar. Uh, so the thing I like about that is I listen to a lot of comedy podcasts and they always talk about how tough it is to follow somebody who kills like somebody that does really, really well. Cause mm-hmm. it's like, now I have to follow that and make them laugh that hard. And they're expecting something that funny. Cause they, yeah. you know, and think about that in music terms. It's like, well, they love that so much. Now they're going to, you know, we have to follow that or whatever. But like I, the, the remedy for that in, with the comedians is like sometimes people are have the ability to ride the wave and ride that energy into their set and mm-hmm. make it and so like the, you translate that to music and like that's the way I look at it it's like well this crowd's pumped up now like yeah, it, hot. yeah, yeah. that was like Gohor I guess cause well, we were after what like Gravis Somnia or something like that uh, I think maybe them or Elise Elysian. Okay, yeah, Elysian. I think that might have been. Yeah, I get the two confused often. Sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was going after a really, really good band and also sandwiched between a really good band and the headliner. It, it kind of forces you into laying down a really good performance. Yeah, I mean, I don't even want to say like afford, it like just affords you the opportunity to play to a crowd that's going to be more responsive to yes. what you're going to do anyways. Like, yes. not that we're like not putting down good performances any other time. Cause like, I feel like I, I try my best at every single show, you know, and maybe sometimes I dance around and, and act a little more hammy at shows, you know? But yeah, I guess some shows there isn't really a, a wave to ride. That's true. But uh, yeah, going yeah. in between two <laughs> bitchin' bands, direct support for the headliner, that's a wave you can ride. And those opportunities don't come, come by often, but it's it's really awesome to have that opportunity and to fucking nail it. And that was a weird one, because it was all heavy-ass metal bands and then us. Yeah, it's true. Playing punk, and the crowd was all into it. We sold a lot of merch that night. Yeah. Yep. The bassist from Goat Whore talked to me a little bit. He would, he liked it. Yes. Like, Damn. All right. You know, that goes back to what you were saying earlier, though, Clint, though, about how, like, the crowd kind of dictates the show. It's tough to dictate to a crowd how you want them to react to your stuff. You know, you just yeah. have, they just either like it or don't. But, like, if there's, a like you said, a crowd that's turned up and we're all riding the wave to the headliner, you know, then everyone's amped for the headliner and they're start to finish everyone's cheering the whole night like then it's just like it's going to be a good show regardless like not that a band would go up there and play mediocre and do well but like it's it's kind of just like like we said earlier you could just go out there and do your normal thing and people are just going to eat it up because everyone's just amped up for the show it was like that gas lamp show last summer like the crowd was into every band dude yeah. yeah like they were in a display case yep we fucking blew them away other brothers played great and the rumors, the rumors of course always yep. have a crowd into them yeah yeah that was, <laughs> it was like that was pretty cool that was a cool night the, uh, the crazy part about that one was uh i almost walked off with uh the other brothers guitar because <laughs> we have the exact same case and guitar and i can only tell based on like a defect i know that mine has on it from like a you know getting dinged or something and i was just like he's like that's mine i'm like no this is mine and he's like no 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 it's mine and they were literally like 6 feet apart from each other like in the load in area and so i just like got it out and i was like oh no this isn't mine and just like put it back i'm like i'm really really sorry you know like i really apologize <laughs> this just, doesn't like, feel right yeah so I'm gonna give this back to you yeah but, but yeah i'm 
fairly certain it was that show that that happened. But yeah, apologies for that. But that was also <laughs> a really good show. I remember that one. It's just like, holy cow, that, that felt like a good yeah. show. And those are the shows that like, it's just like, all right, ham it up a bunch, you know, uh, put the guitar way up in the air and stand there with your foot on the monitor nicely because I'm not, I'm not out here wrecking venues monitors. <laughs> not going to wreck a system. Yeah, just yeah. like put your foot through the We're speaker and stuff. balancing on the ledge. Yeah, oh my gosh. But yeah, usually, I should just put one of those on my pedal board because they actually have those that are I've like seen, yeah, the I've foot rests some of it's for like playing acoustic or whatever you know but if you want to play an acoustic but it's like put a strap on the acoustic or whatever anyways but yeah so it's a it's been a like a fun time actually going out and playing all these shows with you and i've had a lot of time to like drive around lately when i you know playing shows with you guys and jesse and and clint Riedel and you know i played a show with scott kirkhart and i've played a lot of shows lately so it's it's been one of those things driving to all these shows i get a lot little time to like reflect on like all the opportunities that have been afforded you know and we've been lucky enough to open up for a lot of these bands that are like i would say pseudo famous like it's weird because the music scene now it's like you're either like on top of the mountain famous or you're like in a tier that's below it somewhere but the tier below it is so below it that it's like you can name a band and it's just like oh they got like quarter million people on facebook like them but how do i don't know who this band exactly. is you know they're like, still like a mid card yeah, they're, sort of they're band. touring yeah. all over the place they've opened up yeah. for tons of people you like, know how do I not it's know? been around 20 years and and no offense to them but 20 years touring out 10 10 albums whatever and they still play a club show yeah uh, and it and it happens too like it's weird because those bands will like come through town and and some of them you know i like and i'm just like these bands it's like how have you not heard of these bands? i'm not even gonna like name any but it's like have you not heard of these guys they're so freaking cool you know and it's like bands that we've opened up for and some of them that like i go to watch because we didn't get on the bill but somebody else is opening up for them it's like i want to go watch this band you know but then there's other ones where it's just like dude you guys are gonna go to this show it's gonna be so cool and there's people promoting it and you're like the hell is this band and you go look it up and it's exactly like you said it's just like they got like you know eighty-seven thousand likes on facebook and they're just touring all over the place and mm-hmm. then, like you said they open up for cool people but like how do i not know who this is you know got eight eight albums deep and yeah, yeah. 15 year band and you're like okay like i've never even heard it you listen to it, it's like this is good like <laughs> It's so crazy that there's so many bands like that out there that exist, but, you know, we've gotten the opportunity to play with a lot of these really, really cool bands like that that have had a lot of history, which I think is something that is weird with a band because bands are always, like I've always said, like band, a band is whatever you want to get out of it, you know, and if you just want to have a band where you can just like party all, you know, like go to a show, throw a party and that, like, and that's what you're getting out of it, cool. If you want to do a band and your main objective is to record stuff, cool, but as long as you're like creating something while you do it you know and like the history of all this stuff we were kind of talking about that is is pretty wild that that's i just feel like that's a thing that bands need to do is kind of create something like that um and like i'm looking behind you it's might not be visible in the video but like there's a a wall of posters of shows and i'm just looking at that thinking like man in three finger betty alone it's like man we've opened up for raven you know and dri and cancer slug and these aren't bands that like everyone's just like yeah i've heard of those those are so cool but like some people are like dude yeah i've heard of raven you know or like something you know it's weird to think and it's so crazy because i've I've opened up for enough of these bands where when we opened up for raven like i knew we opened up for them before but like it was weird because i feel like just months afterwards i was like Wait, I opened up for Raven twice. It's like, yeah, I opened up for Raven twice, didn't mm-hmm. I? <laughs> yep. You know, 
both times with three finger better. Yeah. Like, <laughs> no, one time, the first time was I think Unity. Yeah, was it? I yeah, think it was. Yeah. It was just once for three finger better. I couldn't remember. Like I was, that's just like where it is. It's like I've, <laughs> I've played enough of these shows where it's like I can't remember whether or not you know. I, mean, I came to that show, but <laughs> and with you. But that's the thing though, and that's the other crazy thing is you said that three finger is like punk music, and we're not like you know, you know the Ramones or like whatever, but we're also not like Blink One Eighty Two. It's, and that's the weird thing is punk is like some weird Dang. genre that you, it's like you kind of get what it is, but people just think like, oh, it's, so it's like loud and fast and nobody tunes their guitars. And it's like, no, it's no, not. It's, guitars. it's yeah. not that either. There's though. some musicality going on. Yeah. So like it's weird because punk gets like labeled everything. So I told somebody the other day like, and it's exactly what I saw when I went online for the very first time when I looked up Three Finger Betty when I was like going to go play with you guys. And it was like, the, I think it was the... Bandcamp said this and it, it just said like the description for the band was anti-social rock music and i'm like there it's not punk that's what it is it's anti-social <laughs> rock music so i've like since then i've been kind of like telling people like tongue-in-cheek that's what it is you know like it's it's rock music it's anti-social we you know it's not necessarily just punk but it has afforded us the opportunity to open up for bands of a wide berth because it does have a lot of punk influence in range. it and so it gives us the ability to open up for metal bands and open up for punk bands and things like that. Yeah, I even mean, like country bands. Yep. I mean, if they go hard enough, I, I suppose. I mean, there's a wide right. berth between DRI and Raven. You know, I gotta do the uncoolest thing in the world. What's that? Go pee. Do it. Do it. <laughs> we'll rock this. You're uh, gonna talk shit about me. We are. That, that's gonna be the the fun part about this is there's there's extra people so we can do this if we need to, but. Yeah. uh and only the people if you didn't say anything nobody would have noticed actually because it's just audio only but <laughs> there are people that watch the patreon so maybe but anyways yeah it's kind of crazy to think about like all the bands we've got to open up for so like who all did we get to open up for with unity where did you play on the striker show um striker I i'm not in, sure I was, if i did that was in iowa city because i remember that show oh you know what i think i did is it Gabe's upstairs? Yeah, I yeah. That might that was one of the very very early Unity shows I did. I think. So the, if I believe, I like that's another one that's like a blur to me. I just remember playing, and it's like cool. We played well. Cause like, I think there was another band on that show that I only remember because uh, their drummer when he did uh, sixteen notes, sixteenth notes uh, on the double kicks. Instead of doing uh, right, left, right, left, right, left, he'd like alternate. So he'd do like right, right, left, left, right, right, left, left. Oh, wow. And that freaking twisted my brain right up. That's crazy. Yeah, that, that takes some chops to pull off. And he, he did. It was, was freaking pretty amazing to watch. That's wild. I, was that like the headliner? Because that would have been like what? Uh, Unleash the Archers? Uh, oh, that, like that, that might have been it. That might have been it. That was the name of it. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so like, I just with Unity, we got the opportunity to open up for a lot of bands too, though, because it was just like very, very intricate metal, and that was like, I remember that probably being one of the last times I was like super nervous was like playing a few Unity shows because it's like there's a lot of spots in this where I have to remember exactly how the song goes, and there's exactly. cues where like harmonies come in where we have to nail them at exactly the yeah. right time. And it's not so much like chord progressions as it's just like actual riffs that have to be played a certain way every time. Yeah, yeah. It's like, here's the main riff, but it changes every time you play it just a little bit, and you have to remember what all the changes are. And yeah. I yeah, it was get... pretty involved. 
doing the Unity stuff. It was fun. Yeah, there's a, a couple of the first shows I played with Unity. You can you can actually like watch me. I just stand there and stare at the guitar the whole time because I yeah. have to like pay attention to what I'm doing. Because I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I have to make sure this is good or whatever. But it's no different than playing with Three Finger Betty. You start to realize the parts where it's like, these are the parts where I've played them enough and I'm comfortable enough playing these that I can like move around and do stuff or something or ham it up if I want to, you know? So like the, the more shows in Unity, if, if I had to go down to the chronological order of all the pictures like the farther i got into playing with unity the more i was like the whole like foot on the monitor with the three guitars pointing at the crowd nonsense you know yeah. like doing that whole like metal stuff yeah. so the judas priest stage maneuvers yeah so, the, so there's a lot more of that going on the the better i got into it do you ever feel like you get to miss out on all that stuff that everyone else does being the drummer where you're just like i'm stuck back here and i don't get to like ham it up or like walk around the stage and be like yeah look at the crowd like point at people and be like Woo-hoo! Or well like, being in the crowd at shows and watching the drummer, I kind of prefer if he'd not do that shit and just concentrate on playing. But that's that's my opinion. But um, I suppose it can be cool, but very, very sparingly. Like, I guess if, if you incorporate it to, into your drum part to where you're doing it all the time, then your parts aren't complicated enough you're not challenging yourself enough of that but that's that's again my opinion yeah yeah so like i also do remember you uh saying once though like don't play something that's so far outside of your abilities that you can't replicate it on a consistent basis though that's true there's that, that so, so with the, everything there's a balance yeah there's a balance so i do recall you and at the once. same time like maybe doing the stick twirling and the standing up while you're playing and all that stuff maybe that's their way of challenging themselves yeah i mean if that's it comes back to if that's what you want to get out of it and then it works you know i mean it worked for tommy lee yeah you know yeah. And, and he's still good yes so dude yeah he, he fucking dudes man i i'd say he's one of my earliest influences i'm gonna go ahead and say that not a bad one to have yeah. though because yeah very very early memories sitting in the back of a dude's like camaro or trans am his name was todd which is awesome <laughs> He was in butthead style. But yeah, sitting sitting in the back of his Trans Am or whatever, and he was blasting same old situation. Like, that's one of my very earliest child memories. Uh, yeah, that's one of, that's, that's super cool. That's super cool. So, like, I, I hate to just, like, call people out, but when you think about, the like, the overactive drummer, the one that I've seen a couple times live in person, uh, that was easily by and far the most over overly flamboyant behind the drums and then on top of that like would take like tiny pauses in the songs to like go nuts and like you know stand up and beg to the crowd yeah do you know who i'm talking about like do you have one in mind that was just like way over the top compared to everyone else um a guy who played for marty friedman no you nailed it that's exactly (laughs) what i was gonna say uh i believe his name is i believe his name is chargy He's yeah, actually he, he's, he dude is pretty over the top. He kicked ass. That he somehow okay. So like, let's put it this way: like, the dude has a cartoonically huge drum set. You have a big drum set. Yeah. He's got a. I mean, but like, if you drew it out, it would just be like a cartoon, like a U shape of drums. If you're looking at yeah. it from the front, yeah. I think and, he had it all set up really low, so you could still like see him from the waist up, basically. Yeah, and you could like he would like climb up on top of the stuff and like grab onto stuff and like get people to cheer he was like standing on his snares and his toms and stuff like he was just going nuts but he was also really good yes you know and there were parts in the songs that would call for that and whatever but 
that would be another person that was just like after a while though it got to be cartoonic it was just like He's like just climbing from like one side of the drum set yeah, to the other, like yeah. getting the crowd amped. And up. this it's is like, just—it's just part of the drum part. Yep. Like you're, it's nothing you're gonna catch in the studio, but <laughs> this is—it's all part of the performance. I guess it's like, it's like Angus recording ACDC solos. He's still like climbing up the walls and rolling all over the place, even though he's in a freaking studio. That's just <laughs> what he does when he plays. Yeah, why not, I guess, if that's what you're doing. You're feeling it, you're feeling exactly. it. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, I mean, does Steve Vai not make faces when he's making, you yeah. know, when he's playing in the studio? He's, he's got to have air moving, blowing yeah, his hair back hair while around. he's playing. Oh my gosh, the best thing you can it's, have. It's live. tough as hell to record, but it's easy to pull out. <laughs> oh, it's classic. Oh, man. So yeah, we were talking about uh, bands we got to play with. and I mean, it's really cool that we get the opportunity to play with a lot of these bands. And, you know, I recently... Uh, got an opportunity with Jesse Wilson to open up for uh, Steve Winwood's daughter, and it was uh, Lily Winwood. She's amazing. She actually told a really fun story about um, how she, like when she was growing up and she first started playing solo shows and writing her own music, everyone was always like, yeah, Steve Winwood, yeah, and you know, like, do you play the keyboard too? Do you remember being a kid growing up when people would, like compare you to like your parents or like an older sibling or another sibling? You just be like, oh man, this sucks. Like, don't don't compare me to them. Like, I'm not, you know, I'm not I'm not gonna be like my dad or like you know when you're a teenager, that's what everybody <laughs> thinks. I feel like you know, but she's like, you know, and then you grow up and you start to realize you appreciate a lot more uh, for what it is, you know, and that's just growing up and becoming human and and you know understanding the world a little bit better as you age but she talked about a story once where she it was like one of her first handful of shows she was like maybe in her early 20s or something and uh people kept like yelling for like a steve winwood song like a really specific one and and she like eventually was just like i've had enough of this crap like i'm out of here like you guys keep yelling for steve winwood stuff i'm over here trying to play my stuff and whatever and she leaves and then like one of her friends that was there like comes and sees her on the side of the stage and was like that was amazing like way to stand up for yourself, you know, and, and be true to yourself. And can I go up there and say something to the crowd? And, and they're, you know, she's like, yeah. And the person went up on stage and was just like, I can't believe you people like did this. Like, it's so mean and all this other stuff. And then she, you know, the person goes off the stage and talking to Lily and just like, so like, what, what did they do that made you so mad? And they're like, they kept asking me to play this song. And the, and the person that was her friend was like, oh, that was me. I was yelling that, like, the whole night. And so it turned out to be, like, this giant misunderstanding that got her mad in the first place. And, <laughs> and it turned out to be this funny story that she has from, like, her, you know, childhood. So it's like, yeah, you shouldn't get so worked up about some of that stuff. But, uh, yeah, so it is fun to, like, open up for some of these, like, famous people and get those, like, little niche stories out of them that you're like, I don't know if I ever would have got this story out of somebody, you know, if, if they weren't playing at a small place here, or, you know, like, whatever. You never know. That's true. I, uh, and it's not. What band was it? It was a punk band. Might have been the Virgin Whores okay. <laughs> that we were playing with. It was like a either the punk pizza party or something. Nice. And the uh, singer from the Virgin Whores, real friendly guy, was just telling stories, and he was telling stories about when he back in the day he. I, whatever band he was in opened up for Black Flag mm-hmm. and yep. apparently he snuck up behind Rollins and pantsed him Oh nice. <laughs> and he's like Henry Rollins ain't gonna remember who I am but he's always gonna remember that night <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious that's super hilarious <laughs> I just I have this image of him going up 
right down on Henry Rollins. Oh, jeez. Oh, man. Oh, yeah, and that's that's the other fun thing is, like, we do play punk shows and punk, punk music, but there hasn't been anything, like, super nuts like that has ever happened at a show. Like, everybody's been pretty reserved. I'm trying to think of, like, the craziest thing I've ever seen at a show. Like, and it really hasn't been anything too nuts, you know, like. Yeah, maybe something Morbo did, but. Yeah, it's gimmicky and part of the show. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. planned. Yeah. As far as, yeah, Betty shows, I can't think of any, but yeah, a couple of basement Dark Mirror house shows. I would say those don't count, though, because I've seen a lot of crazy stuff go down at, at house shows yeah. like, in one house or another. Like, because, yeah. man, house shows. House they're, shows are fun. They're a different beast entirely. Yeah. Which is crazy to think that, like, how many different styles of shows you can play. So, like,. You can play a club show or a house show. That's kind of those are kind of the two big ones that we play, and it's like ninety nine percent club shows or whatever. Yeah. But like we played in a taco restaurant like <laughs> not too long ago. Like we played in a lot of like weird places, you know. They got a stage and a sound yep. system. Yep, and a, and an event for it. Like definitely, why not? It makes sense. But I mean, even playing like with Jesse Wilson and Clint and stuff, like you get to play like breweries and wineries and um yeah like entirely some... different types of places that might not be so receptive to a, to a full volume yeah, rock band exactly yeah. yeah it makes me think like the equivalent of playing a house show for betty would be playing a private event for a cover band yeah so like a private event is like you know come to our backyard we're all going to be you know drinking and hanging yeah. out in the pool or whatever or yeah something, like a know? graduation or like yeah. a family reunion or something like that yeah yeah oh man like i can't really like you know wedding reception or exactly. something yeah, you know yeah, yeah. um the uh, post-wedding reception or something you know it's something weird like that you get into those kind of things and play those types of private events so it's kind of weird. They do have like parallels, a lot of parallels, and it's it's the same concept where like the private events usually a lot of crazier stuff happens, but um, it also stands for like logic though. Like private event, somebody can light off fireworks, but nobody's gonna be lighting off fireworks, you know, like inside a lefty or something or the parking ladder or something. Yeah. You know, it's you not gonna know. happen. No one's so. gonna light any t-shirts on fire. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah. <laughs> An actual venue. Oh man. Just haven't had the right show yet. <laughs> yeah, oh my gosh. <laughs> Who's got a pyro license? We need to get one of these. <laughs> you never know. Dude, yeah. Um, it, the craziest thing I've ever seen are BS spat fist fights. Yeah. And oh, those yeah. are few and far between. Vesta yes. roommate Collier about, like, have you ever thought about getting your pyro license? And he he's had a bad experience, like, burning the shit out of himself with, like, boiling water, I think. And so, yeah, he's had to deal with burns so he's just like he has no interest in doing anything pyro related like when we filmed our music video we're like do we want to do anything like with firecrackers or roman candles or anything fire related and he's just like nope and i was like all right <laughs> sounds great yeah it makes sense i mean that is very true though like getting burned is totally like a it's not um, fun yeah and yeah it's it's uh unpredictable i suppose yeah because even if you plan it out the best you can it doesn't really work that well however i will say that like i mean it does cost a lot of money but they do have things that are like smoke machines with lights in them and stuff like that that you can make it look like fire shooting up and they do have like things like that that you can mask oh yeah yeah like the, the cryo blast with a light in it yeah yep. i've seen yeah. that so like that kind of stuff and they're you know they're not like a bazillion dollars but they are kind of expensive and because it's a lot of technology and something and it's like on-demand smoke when you want it and i'm sure pro programmable etc so there are yeah. like ways around it if you wanted to try to get around it but 
um yeah i mean it is what it is it's pretty fun to be able to play like all these shows and it's it stinks because like you know the band is transforming but it, it always has changed a little bit like ever since i've been in it and even when i joined the band changed you know so like it always has changed and it started out as a two-piece which brings me back to you guys actually played a two-piece show which was probably john's <laughs> first two-piece show in since the first one really yeah wow okay so and we were actually three bands in one that night yeah yeah we we pulled from the whole repertoire yeah Oh, that's started cool. with Betty, went into some uh, did some shit kicking yeah, songs, some shit kicking, and then yeah, did a couple of the new instrumental, mostly uh, sleepover tunes as well. No, that's really cool. Yeah, I guess you guys could definitely pull from that lot too, since you guys are both in the sleepover, and now you guys, you know, it, you're involved in the writing process yeah. there, so it helps out that you can actually pull from that, but. That was crazy because that was a Sioux City show, correct? And I, yes. I wanted to go to that show so bad because I know some people in Sioux City that probably would it would have just been nice to say hi to them or whatever if they showed up. Yeah, you know if, you know had they shown up. Um, but anyways, uh, I don't know. I got booked on a different show with a different band and took that. I had that booking first, and it was one of those situations where it was a first time Sioux City Fun Festival. You wanted to try to get over there yeah. and, and take the booking. Yeah, and at the time. Uh, uh, Jeff Geoff had uh, not got his new job, etc. Yeah. So you would it would have been a three piece. Yeah. It wouldn't have been when that we took bad. the show. We would have been it would have been a we took it as a three piece. Yes, which you've done, which has happened a few times yeah. in like the six or seven years, whatever I've been with Three Finger Betty, where I haven't been able to make it to a show or whatever, and you've gone back to three piecing it. But you know, I'm sure it works out just as good. It sounds really good. Go listen to the first Three Finger Betty demo. That's three piece Betty, you know. Yeah. Yep. That's what I. That's still to me for some reason when I think about Three Finger Betty, I think that's what it sounds like because I maybe it's because I listened to that demo four thousand times, <laughs> you know, while trying to figure out what all the songs were without asking anyone. Which was kind of also kind of like one of the first. It's like I figured out this whole album start to finish by listening to it and playing along to it, which that's was kind of fun. Yeah. You know, so which was also really fun to show up and try out it's like what songs do you want to play it's like i know all of them it's like well which one like all any of them it's like don't care name one (laughs) and i did that with uh with unity as well i can't remember they gave me like nine songs or something and i learned seven or eight of them by the time i did like the first practice and they're like which ones did you play a lot i'm like all like all i've played them a lot you know (laughs) but you know that comes back to like a lot of that stuff's burned in my head forever and probably won't ever leave but it was also a fun learning opportunity to learn how to do some things i don't normally do on the guitar you know and try to incorporate them a little bit with other things that i do if i if i have the opportunity to so yeah uh that's the other fun thing it's like the sad and fun thing about like joining bands that kind of go away you know yeah yeah kind of the lesson i guess you take from that is to not be fully attached to, to anything that you're you're a part of because anything could come along and, and just disrupt it just a little bit to where a band can't be a thing anymore. So it's it's always been a delicate situation being having a you know consistent band lineup and it's even harder uh, having less opportunities for bands nowadays. Yeah, so definitely. so it's so it's even more of a miracle that that bands are able to stick around long enough and do things and going back to figuring out 
finally finding out what bands, you know, finally finding out cool bands, finding out about cool bands, sorry. <laughs> uh, and, you know, it's not until the band has been doing stuff for a decade and a half. Yeah. So the kind of the lesson in there is don't break up. Like, no matter what, like, persevere, keep doing things. Like, keep practicing, keep writing, just keep doing things. And eventually, people will figure out who you are. Yeah, that's that's more or less the lessons. Don't quit. Yeah, I mean, it comes back to also, like, just creating albums and content and material and something for people to listen to and know that you exist for a long period of time yeah you know like whether or not it's different albums because you can like i mean we can just point at maiden it's like well this was the paul deano era this is bruce dickinson this was you know blaze bailey this is when dickinson came back so you can piece out these little eras yeah based on this band and have this nice like story of something that happened you know uh you know van halen would be another one where David Lee Roth left and came back, and yeah, Bon uh, Scott died. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so you just keep going, you know. So we can just go with that. And the fun thing about this is this. Uh, I mean, we're getting close to an hour in this, but like, this actually ties back to a conversation we had recently, where like we actually just named a handful of bands that are like, obviously, like quote unquote the greatest bands ever. Exactly. Yeah. And it fits perfectly into the mold of what we're talking about. We're like. Yeah. Something bad happened here, and they could have just hung up the towel and quit. Mm-hmm. And like, oh, it, I got this job. I could just do this job and get paid doing that. Or just kept their millions and lived conservatively forever easily, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, like, that, you know, brings me back. Like, it makes me think about, like, what are some of the other super, super big bands that, like, might have had, like, a story like that's kind of like that, where, like, had they not went along with a lineup change, they wouldn't exist anymore. I mean, the obvious answer is, like, all of them now. Like, you know, Leonard Skinner's not all yeah. fucking whatever Leonard Skinner used to be. You know, it's like every band is now a, a ridiculous shell of its former self because yeah. everybody's getting yeah, old. Pink Floyd and, got popular a certain way, but then they changed and then got even more popular in that way. Yeah, so you can kind of point and argue at certain things. But I'm trying to think of, like, who's another really big band where it's like somebody died and it's like had they just quit, it wouldn't have worked when they just brought somebody else in and it, it kind of worked. Yeah, well, it's like... Alice in Chains is like that. I mean, they took a long time before they came back out with a new singer, but, yeah. you know, their singer overdosed. and mm-hmm. Okay, now what? I yeah. guess we'll see how this and Pantera that, thing turns out as well. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But like Alice in Chains, I think they've released three studio albums now with the, the current singer. So I'm like, they're obviously doing just fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Playing Actually, shows. Yeah. I mean, the Pantera thing brings up a good yeah. point, because when that got announced on Facebook, you were on one side or the other, it seemed like, and people... And they didn't announce the whole, like, lineup yet, like... And there were people who were just like, we get a Pantera, we don't do Yeah, what the hell are they going to do? Who's going to fill Dime's shoes? Who's going to fill Vinny's shoes? And then they were like, oh yeah, it's Zach Wilde and Charlie. And as soon as they said Charlie, I think a lot of people just, like, fell off the edge of the fence on the, I think this is going to be good With, side. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure that would definitely work out. It is what it is. Like, it's kind of like being mad that Damage Plan was a thing, you know, but, like, Damage Plan obviously wasn't called Pantera 2.0 yeah. or anything. But I feel I feel like, you know, Zach Wilde, I feel like might have been kind of a given. And that could have gone either way. Like, I, that would have been cool. You know, of course it's going to be badass with Zach Wilde, but if, like, leaving the drummer up in the air, it could have gone either way. It really could have gone either way. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean, like, 
And I think, yeah, having Charlie in there really fucking puts it over the top. It's like, all right, this is this is going to be accurate. It's going to do every, just going to do all this justice. Like, we've got nothing to worry about now. It's in the hands of good people. Like, he reminded me, we're talking about bands that went through whatever, you know, Charlie Benetani's from Anthrax, and I, for the life of me, I am blanking on the singer's name from Anthrax, but then he left, and... Here's John oh, yeah, Jewish. Yeah. It, thank you. Is that it? Is that it? I can't yeah. believe I didn't remember that. Yeah. But then, you know, John Bush came on board and yep. they sounded different. His vocal style was so different. Yeah. Yeah. He's even but it was different. Still cool. It was but, even different from like the early days of Armored Saint because I feel like that's what they were wanting. <laughs> that's what they were expecting out yeah. of him. And then he, he did what he did, which was fucking badass, but it definitely was different than the early Armored Saint yeah. sound. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, Oh man, Anthrax was such a good band, and they had like uh, who was the was it Dan Spitz was it Spitz something Spitz yeah I that was they, their, yeah Dan Spitz was that yeah. was the or guitarist and he Lead left after a while yep and it's just like is it still gonna be good it's like yeah I mean they still made albums that were still great you mm-hmm. know so there's a lot of different bands that have gone through changes like that and it's weird that it seems like a lot of the biggest bands went through those changes and obviously it usually comes back to the original one like. Who was the guy that was the third singer for Van Halen? Gary, Gary Sharon. <laughs> so, Extreme. Yeah, so it comes back to like the argument that like that didn't work out so well. So going back to either of the first two would have worked out well. You know, when you bring in the third, it's like, well, we'll go back to either one of those because this didn't, you know. And it's not that he was bad, but like it's kind of like Motley Crue with uh, what John Karabi yeah, singing yeah. for a while. Yeah, the like, they did the one album with him, and like nobody remembers that, you know. <laughs> Hooligans Holiday. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, I think that was it. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. Anyway, so like, there's just like some stuff like that where like, what if they like. John Karabi came in, they did that, and it was just like, this sucks, and it's like, that's the end of it, you know? Which I can't believe I actually remember that. I actually saw John Karabi play live once, so that's, like, one of the reasons I might remember it, but there was a lot of those bands that had those moments where they, like, pulled somebody else in for a short period of time, and then it was like, (laughs) you know, and got to revert back to what we were doing before, you know, and it's... (laughs) It's kind of like pro wrestling, though, you know, it comes back to that. We all watch pro wrestling. So it comes back to that parallel that like so much stuff that you see in pro wrestling is like exactly like the real world. Like you never say never, never say it can't happen again. Never say it's done forever. You know, like sometimes the heel turn doesn't work, though. Oh, my gosh. Real life heel turn. Gross. I'm trying to do the opposite. Like turn face. Face turn. I'm still doing a slow face turn. (laughs) Slowly getting better every day. Oh man. So yeah, I mean this this has been like a really fun podcast. We're about an hour in. Uh, I I did kind of get a little bit out of you for that that Sioux City show, which was something I wanted to just kind of talk about because I like wasn't there. But yeah. was it fun playing as a two piece again? Was it something like yeah, interesting it was fine. or? Uh, the, the weird thing was like when I had to go play a solo or something. I'm like, hey, where's the rest of the band? Yeah, it was only when the leads were happening, like when the chords were going on, the the sound was full enough. But yeah, if they were, if it was just the lead and me, it was. You that was the, really the only time you could tell that the the sound was thin. Should have had a loop pedal. Yeah, that's, that's like the one time would have came in handy. Yeah. That was a fun day though. Uh, uh, who was that? Uh, uh, what's his name? That Sioux Falls band. They were really good. Skin of our teeth oh yeah it was skin of our teeth yes uh from sioux falls i thought they were really good 
nice. uh, among machines, which was a local Sioux City, was 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 cool. They uh, instead of uh, it was bass and drums, you know, rock band, but the singer played synths, and then the lead instrument was a harmonica through uh, guitar effects. Hmm. So no guitar. That's pretty wild. That's cool. Uh, and the rat dad, the the headliners were uh, were, were a hip hop act that were local, and they were they were pretty fun. Yeah, it's a, it, had, it had sort of a, I guess Weird Al vibe because they would, bit. <laughs> they would take beats from other songs and then sing different lyrics over. Yeah, because okay, I'm 47, oh, like so anybody older. They played the Ed Lover dance from Yo MTV Raps, so mm-hmm. that that hooked me like. And I'm whatever, like I'm like, ah, these kids don't know what the hell that is. <laughs> they never heard that beat before. <laughs> That's hilarious. But yeah, they were they were funny, dancing around, doing the robot the whole time. One of the guys was weird looking. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so uh, let's let's before we take off on this because I, I I don't want to just like cut it all super short, but I mean. We're about an hour in. I don't. I don't really have too much else to talk about, unless you guys have something else to talk about. But like, we must you, mention August nineteenth. Yeah, I was gonna say let's plug our upcoming shows. We got a, <laughs> we got a couple coming up here. So, um, I don't know. You got you got your phone or something maybe to look at. I should have it. Well, we got the sixteenth, which we already mentioned. Lefties yep. with the convalescence. Yeah. We're gonna come back there on the nineteenth and open for a a rock band called uh, the Naked Gypsy Queens. Nice. Uh, I'm pretty sure Resurrection Mary's on that one too. I can't remember who the other local is, but that's going to be a fun night. And we have tickets for that, which you can hit me up and save some fees, and I will get you a ticket, twelve bucks. Yeah, that's the weird thing. I see a lot of flyers that say, you know, this amount ahead of time, but it never tells you how to get the tickets before the day of the show. The key is hitting up the local bands. In this case, us. So yeah, we. I guess we need to go back to like 1980s style flyers, where like they literally draw a map of the area, and this is how you get to where we go. <laughs> yeah, they they packed a lot more information in old show flyers. Yeah. So we need to go back to that time. Man, uh, we got it. Ha- there's no Facebook event or anything, but uh, uh, it looks like September 3rd, which will be a road gig and at uh, the locker room in New Hampton, is coming together. We found Sweet. some people to play with. Nice, nice. And uh, then we'll be back in Des Moines with uh, our friends from Omaha, the Shittiots. Oh, cool. And Quicksand Devils. And then uh, one of our my favorite locals, Attacked by Badgers. That's October 1st. Dude, I love the Shittiots. <laughs> Shittiots are great. They're so, they're so fun. <laughs> oh, yeah. October 1st. Yeah, that's, that's right after the 3X Wrestling Show featuring my wife, Kelsey Magnolia. She's oh, going to yes, whoop some right. ass in Des Moines. Yeah. That's right. Are you going to be able to make it to both of those or not? Yeah, yeah. The 3X show, I think, starts at like 6 or 7. And whole we're like... We're headlining. headlining. We're playing last, yeah, so, so we'll we're like going to play after the Devils. 12. <laughs> we'll be try, playing. I'll have to try like, to remember that. I think I'll be able to pull both of them <laughs> I off. So, need to get to a 3X show again, so I'll try to... I really want to go to that, but I should... I, I, I kind of run in the show at Hull that night, so I'll be at the Hull. Totally yeah, cool. Bummer, yeah. But uh, apparently uh, my uh, child might be going to her first Ooh, wrestling yeah. show on that night. So that'll be cool. That'll, that'll be, be cool. good. Yeah, that'll be really Hey, awesome. Otis is here. <laughs> yep, the cat made another appearance right before the end of the podcast, so that's really nice. All right. Uh, any sleepover shows you guys got coming up? Uh, yeah. Um, that, we I, I figured out the third band because uh, who it was supposed to be 
flaked out. And uh, so it'll be uh, September 10th at Hall Avenue. All right. With uh, um, a new band. Oh, cool. For playing their first show. Cool. Uh, I believe they're called Triple Elvis. <laughs> we'll see. Nice, nice. And uh, uh, our buddy uh, Misha. Misha's band, the Graham Fitness Racers, are going to play. Oh, sweet. Uh, in sweet. the middle there, they'll play second. Is he going to bring the, the PA from the Vaudeville Music? We are, we are potentially going to blow the roof off the Hull Avenue building. Misha will have the full-on sound system Get for that show. hyped for that one. So it's going to be loud. <laughs> Dude, that's cool. Maybe we can make some sort of quadraphonic we, setup. I am anticipating some noise complaints from the neighborhood. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That'll be fun. <laughs> Start saving time. your egg flats right now. <laughs> yep. <laughs> We're going to need them. Oh, man. So, yeah, there's going to be some fun shows it's, coming there's, up. There's all kinds of shows going on. All right. So, check those out. Uh, yeah, Three Finger Betty, uh, pretty much everywhere online. I'm assuming you're playing shows with Jesse and yeah. Flint or whoever coming up. Yep. So, check those out, too. Uh, otherwise, uh, <laughs> we're going we're gonna to pimp everybody on this show. Yep. Yeah, I mean... I mean, if you if you want uh, Jesse Wilson music's all the Jesse stuff, uh, we do have some shows coming up. They should be on there. But otherwise, Three Finger Betty is yep. at Three Finger Betty. The Sleepover is, I think, at Sleepover. I don't know. It's yeah, we got a Facebook page. They're out there. Uh, uh, one one that's, I I don't know if we'll ever play live, but uh, we just put out another song, and I think it's the best one we did. I play guitar for a studio band. And it's Danny Price and the Economic Collapse Band. And uh, go check out uh, that on uh, YouTube or, or Bandcamp or whatever. It's me on guitar, Jared from More Cheese and Americature on drums and bass, and, and they're all Danny's songs. Nice. That's cool. He writes the songs. Oh, cool. That'd be really yeah. fun. Yeah, man. That'd be wor- totally worth checking out. Yeah. So that's, I, I'm pretty, we're all like, we've all talked like the last one we did uh, I Begin With You we're all like yeah that's the best one it's a real good one that one's really good nice nice. we like them all obviously but like the last one we're like yeah yeah we hit the stride yeah I guess uh, I mean not to plug other people's stuff but might as well I mean uh, more cheese I think they got a release coming up here too I think they got a release and they got tons of shows they play a lot I think they were just in in, down in St. Joe last night cool so check check them out too you know there's lots of cool there's lots of cool stuff actually check out attacked by badgers everybody we talk about go check out yeah Yeah. (laughs) i mean that's i recall listening to a one of our recent shows that clint recorded and that was like something you'd mentioned on the mic you're like we've got merch but buy this person's merch and their merch and their merch first you know you're like i was trying to like steer everyone towards everyone else first like buy all their stuff first i mean we didn't travel for this except for him Uh so buy their merch and if you like us enough buy one of ours too yep yep Agreed, agreed. You know, that's but when we play in New Hampton, buy ours first, <laughs> dude. That's punk rock, that's punk rock. Support everyone else, you know. I mean, that's that's why I show up on the podcast and everywhere I go, I'm like I'm wearing a Jesse Wilson music hat right now and a Couch Town coffee shirt right now. So, I mean, I, I try to support everyone else and what the, their endeavors are. I can't remember the last time I was not wearing a band shirt of some type. <laughs> <laughs> that's true, that's very true. Oh man! All right, guys. Well, uh, thanks for joining me. Episode two hundred. Pretty fun stuff. Had a good yeah. time. A lot of fun. Yep. All right. Uh, later. See ya. See ya. Once again, the three finger Betty boys. Uh, I'm just gonna reiterate what I said in the intro. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for them. It's uh, it's been tons of fun, and 
you know, it's opened up a lot of doors for me. It really honestly has. Uh, from playing at different jam nights to getting invited to be a host musician at jam nights, which is something I never, ever would have dreamed would have happened, uh, to getting the opportunity to play with people in my area that I have looked up to for a long time. And a lot of you know who you are, and I really appreciate that. Um, it's also given me the opportunity to play with new musicians and new styles of music. I've been graced with the opportunity to play with Jesse Wilson for the last year and a half, and I've, I, I guess I don't know how many shows we've done, but uh, I'd say it's it's probably about 100 or so, and you know it's wild to think that he's done even more than that because he plays solo shows too, you know, and. And I've, I've got the opportunity to play songs with Clint Riedel live as well. So uh, Clint Riedel is a folk musician, so I kind of have to change what I'm doing a little bit, but I, my style still stays pretty close to the same. It's it's very bluesy influenced, but uh, I, I, you know, I never once in a million years, when I started this podcast, would have ever thought I'd be playing in a cover band that, that leans towards country and rock. And I never thought I'd be playing with uh, an original artist who plays mostly folk music. And it's, it's just absolutely mind-blowing to me. I'm, I'm ever grateful to each and every person I've interacted with on this podcast and everyone I've had the opportunity to meet in the music scene. Um, I've, I've had very few negative interactions because of this podcast, and I want to thank all the fans and everyone that's listened to any of the other 200 episodes. Uh, thank you guys very much for being positive and uh, showing the support for the musicians that are on the podcast, because that's the whole reason this podcast exists. And uh, it's just been it's just been an absolute blast. So thank you guys very much. I really appreciate it. Uh, thank you, John and Clint, and both the Jeffs, Geoff and Jeff. Uh, th- thank you to Cl- uh, Clint Riedel. Thanks to Jesse Wilson and everyone that's played along with us in the Jesse Wilson space, from you know Owen to Cole, Jacob. I mean, there's been uh, other people that have filled in for me when I couldn't make it to shows. There's been other people that have filled in for them when they couldn't make it to shows. So thank you guys very much. I really appreciate it. Um, you know, it actually just dawned on me. I got the opportunity to play with Scott Kirkhart, too, not too long ago. So it's it's wild. It's very humbling. Um, it's, it's a tough thing. I, I don't know if any other musicians go through this, but I do have a little bit of an imposter syndrome that goes along with being a musician. And I, I do understand a lot of guitarists and musicians have this, where people come up to you and say, good job, and you don't know whether or not to be like, thank you, or what, you know, but you just, you just got to say thanks and go with it. Uh, there's no sense in just being mad about your performance, and there's no sense in just going out there, and when somebody says good job, you just be like, yeah, right, or it doesn't, doesn't do anybody any good. So thank you guys very much. I really appreciate it. Um, but, you know, like I said, it's, it's been a wild ride. It's so wild that I, I don't know what I did to deserve this. But uh, thank you guys. I really appreciate it. 200 episodes in, uh, six plus years in with one band, almost two with another, and uh, ancillary gigs coming in. It's it's absolutely wild. It is absolutely wild. So thank you guys very much. Uh, if you guys want to check out anything Audible Farm, check it out at audiblefarm.com. There are links to everything there. Uh, social medias, the YouTube channel. You can listen to the podcast directly from the website. There's also links to the Audible Farm shop where you can find merch. I did order hoodies. They are on their way. Uh, I know they're being made. So when they are made and I have them in my hands, you guys will be the first to know. I'll put them in the shop. Boom. There we go. You guys got it. So uh, hoodies are coming back. And uh, the nights are getting cooler. Not 
particularly cool, but it's no longer 100 degrees out at night. So thanks, thanks for that. Uh, holy moly, some of those nights, it was my, I ordered hoodies and it's just like 100 for a week straight. It's like, yeah, figures, I ordered hoodies when it's 100 out. But I have a lot of people that told me they're very interested in them. So we'll see how this batch sells. And uh, thank you guys very much for listening each and every week. Subscribe, like, share. Word of mouth is the best. Just ask somebody if they've heard of the Audible Farm podcast and uh, see what they say. Otherwise, go back through some of the older episodes. Listen to some of the older episodes. Find the links down in the description. Click on their Facebook pages. Click like. That's one of the reasons I started this was to help musicians and others support the musicians that are out there making the music. So if you're a musician and one of your buddies is on here and you listen to it, make sure you click that like button on their page. Uh, Whether it's Instagram, you know twitter facebook youtube it doesn't matter so just uh go out there and support one another and uh thank you guys for supporting me as i support everyone else all right i'm out of here peace